take your Bibles and turn to Malachi chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 9 this morning. We'll continue our study. So it's Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. I don't know if this story is real or not. It's been recorded multiple times. It's been recorded in a few different ways. It's a story about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was walking through his encampment and uh, saw a young man uh, who was asleep. Um, and there's different ways that the stories come out. There's some said that he had ran away during the battle. Um, others have given different parts of the story. But it all ends up at the same place at the end where he talks to this young man. And he asks him the question, now what is your name? And the young man responds back with Alexander, at which point Alexander the Great becomes a little um, perturbed a little bit. And he asks again, and let me ask you again, son, what is your name? Alexander, sir. And he asks him a third time, son, what is your name? Alexander. And he said, son, either change your name or change your ways. Part of that kind of describes what we're going to be looking at this morning in regards to, this is again a passage where God is speaking to his people. So if you're not a Christian, we're glad you're here, but this is where God in his scripture is speaking to his family. So he's dealing with some family issues here, and we ask that you would listen, and that maybe this might be the thing that draws you closer to who Christ is. But he is speaking specifically to his priests who have now, as we've seen, have offered spoiled uh, sacrifices. They have snorted. They become despised. They become bored with the service of living and giving to God. And so now this is where we find ourselves at Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts. Then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring, and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way, and you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I will make you despised and abased before all the people, and as much as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, as we come to a passage that speaks to those of us who are part of your family, Lord, give us ears to hear and the ability to apply. And these are hard words. But Father, allow us to be truthful with ourselves. And Lord, drive us back to the cross. Drive us back to Christ, to where we find, and only we find, our forgiveness of sins in him 
and him alone. Restore us, we pray. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So first of all, God talks by saying, take this to heart. You do not honor me. Let me give you a real life example. So I've used this example before, but I'm going to use it again because I think it's applicable. So again, I had um, no problem, especially in my early years of high school, uh, to live a dichotomy of life which meant that I had no problem playing the Jesus game. So I went on the mission trips. I said the words. I went to church. I even would say that I lied to my mom, you know, and and didn't have a problem with her uh, getting rid of my ACDC records and stuff like that and replacing them with Christian music. So I was playing a game with my mom, and uh, I would say she probably felt that I was a Christian and a true Christian. And then she went one day to the high school, and she was in the front office, and she was there talking to one of my friends who was supposed to call and get me, and I think it's for a doctor's appointment or something, and I was supposed to come to the front office, and she was saying, oh, do you know my son, Jeffrey? Oh, yeah, I know your son. Um, Well, do you know that, um, and I don't know why people do this, but people do this, you know, well, do you know that he's a Christian? Now, why did she have to say that? But she did. Um, And my friend began to laugh. Um, and not hysterically, but began to laugh and said, well, if Jeff is a Christian, it sure is a funny way that he shows it. See, I become so good at leaving the dual life. And by that time, I had walked into the office and could see just the devastation in my mom's eyes. I had dishonored her. But more than anything, I had dishonored the God that I say, said that I believed. Because I only wanted him for the times when it was convenient. But the rest of the time was my time. So I didn't live for Christ. I lived to not to go to hell. And I think they're a big difference. And so, as a word of caution, I think God brings us to us. And again, I know he's speaking to pretty much leaders in the church, but it's applicable to all of us. And I think we need to hear these words, and I think we need to hear it very carefully, because again, we don't earn God's love. And it's not by what we do or don't do. He doesn't love us anymore or love us any less, but he does take his name seriously. And he tells us to honor it and to honor it the very core of who we are. Because to give honor means to give high respect and great esteem. And we do it in response to the love of God. That's why he starts off by saying, I have loved you. And even at the times where we begin to to look at him and say, do you really love me, God? Can I really trust you? He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And so our response should be one of honor and glory. It's why the Westminster Shorter Catechism starts off with question number one. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To glorify God, to give him honor and glory. And yet what is happening a lot of times is we become bored. And not only bored with God, not only bored with Christ, not even bored with the gospel, 
but we begin to despise him. We begin to hate that he would want anything to do with our lives apart from what we say he should have. And so it's here that God has sent a messenger. And that's what Malachi means. It's a messenger to the messengers. See, these were people that were called to speak forth the gospel, to go out and to to be the mouthwork of God himself. And and so it's an understanding that we who are teachers, and it doesn't mean just me. It's not, this isn't just a sermon for me. It is for me, but it's not just for me. It's for all who put yourselves in places of leadership as heads of households, in places of business, in the church. Because the reality, James 3, 1 says this, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that you who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now again, that doesn't call us to say, well, then I'm not going to teach. It should remind us that those who are called to be remained faithful to the calling that we have received. Because we are going to be held to a higher standard. But there is a struggle, is there not, with this? Because we're still within sin. There's a, a pastor who spoke on this. He's actually a friend of mine. And he said um, he was going, he was speaking with, with pastors um, at the seminary level. And he was talking, he was giving statistics. Um, one in five uh, people leave the ministry within five years, their first ministry. And he says one out of ten um, is actually retires from ministry. One in 10. And he said, you know what? These are alarming statistics, but he said, you know what? The problem's not with the church. The problem's with the preacher himself. I'm the problem. You're the problem. Because we're sinners. And we live in sin and we live within the battle. And so there's a distinction when we begin to have things called. Uh, and even this week, there's, there's a situation that I had to go back and, and repent of. And repentance is very different than sorry. Judas was sorry, remember? He was sorry he turned in Jesus. And he went and hung himself. Peter was repentant. And he ran back to Christ because Christ is the only place where we find forgiveness and mercy and grace fully realized. And so we have to go back in repentance and we call upon Christ. And when we call upon Christ and as we get more and more in love with who he is, then it allows us to have reverence. And reverence not for man, but for God. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. That's what, that's what Malachi is trying to tell us for God. We have to come back to the place where we revere God and who he is more than anything else. And so what he does, he gives us two examples. And the first one, first one is the faithful standard um, that we find within Levi. And so I'm going to use the words, and they're in there, in, if you have the bulletin, of logos, ethos, and pathos. Okay, and so this is brought to us very clearly when we go through seminary. But these are the three things that we have to make sure that we look and pay attention to in our lives. And the first one is logos, which is the word. That's the word. And so the word is, am I preaching and am I teaching faithfully? Now, this happens to be called to Levi, remember? And Levi becomes the priestly tribe. Now, why is that? Well, in Exodus 32, 26, it says this. 
Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And then it said, and all of the sons of Levi gathered around him. Then it says in Deuteronomy 10, 8 through 9, it says, now to all of Levi, he doesn't get to inherit land like everybody else. His inheritance is the Lord. And so they're set apart as priests. And as being a part of that, what Levi was called to is one, was to, as the Logos, give a full counsel of God. Now, what does that mean? That means all scripture. It's why we preach exegetically here. I don't pick and choose which books I go through. I don't pick and choose uh, which passages I'm going to preach on and the ones that I'm not. I have to preach on the good passages where I get to come and, and shoot sunshine your way and tell you how good you are. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. But I also have to say to you, hey, you are living in a way where you are dishonoring the name of God. And so it has to be the full counsel of all scripture. Kent Hughes says this in regards to the Logos. I have to have studied. I have had to have prayed. I've had to exegete it right. I've had to done everything that when I preach is as if it is the word of God itself. And if I'm not, then I'm the one who should be held accountable. But I preach to you not with timidity, but with a Holy Spirit power. So I don't back down because it is the word of God who speaks to you, not me. I'm just a mouthpiece for the one who does speak. And so when that happens, then it's God who does the transformation. And it's a transformation that needs to happen, listen, daily. We should be under the word daily. We should be reading the word. We should be listening to it. We should be speaking the word to each other. We should know the word. And it's not that we don't have the ability to learn the word. Because I know that if I go out there and ask, and it's not just students, but if I ask students to give me um, the story or the background from movies and stuff like that, they can give it to me word for word. So can I. And adults, if I asked you about movies in your era, or songs that you sing to the radio, you know it word for word. And then I go, okay, well, that's great. Now tell me, what have you memorized in scripture? Jesus wept. Congratulations. Are we studying and putting ourselves underneath the word? Now, I also want to tell you that it is a part of a process. Not everybody's at the same place. So there might be some of you who need to be reading the word of God through every day, through a year. You're at that place. There might be some of you that need to be reading it If you can get through the Bible in five years, I would be happy. But what's not good is people who go, oh, I opened my Bible on Sunday and I closed it and didn't open it again. See, we're all supposed to be underneath the word daily in the process. But again, here's also part of what they figured out um, in regards to the ethos is that Malachi is saying to us, we have to preach the word to ourselves first before we preach it to other people. See, the ethos is character. This is our life and our reputation. 
And it begins to affect our actions. So again, we're preaching the gospel to self first. The word applies to me. Again, every time that I point at you, one of the reminders my teacher said is, three of the fingers are pointing back at you, preacher. I have to apply it to myself. And if I'm not applying to myself, then why would I expect you to apply it? One of the worst nights for me is Saturday night. Because I don't take it lightly that I come and speak God words to you. And there are many times where I'm still up at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning because I cannot sleep. Because I want to be faithful to the calling that God has given to me. And as I'm called, so are you, to not only to preach the gospel, but we're also supposed to pick up our cross daily. Which means that we are supposed to be quick to repent. We're supposed to be quick to forgive others. We're supposed to be quick to ask for forgiveness. It makes us think that everything else, anything that we find in success in this world, we consider it as rubbish. Think, listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter two, chapter three, excuse me, starting at verse four through eight. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more because I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to the righteousness under the law, blameless. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Is that what we're seeking? Are we wanting Christ to be everything to us? See, to to do that, we have to walk in the Lord. We have to be led by the Spirit. And remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit, singular. It's not fruits, You don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to say, well, I'm not really that loving, but I'm really um, good. It doesn't work that way. God is always changing us. He's transforming our minds and our hearts to look more like Jesus. And we have to do that. We have to be still and know. I think one of the things that, that I struggle with in today's day and age is that everybody can be, they're on all the time. And not that my generation wasn't, but we didn't have earbuds in our ears all the time. We didn't have a screen in our face all the time. We didn't have a phone with us all the time. I like the days of pay phones. I like not being reached all the time. But it's not that they just have access to things all the time. It's they're listening to things that only they want to hear. Only they want to be interested in. One of the things that I liked, at least about the radio, is like they would actually bring on new songs every once in a while. Even if you hated it, you still had to listen to get to the next song. If you don't like a song, you just fast forward. You go to another streaming location. You don't wait for the next week for the next episode. You binge watch 24 episodes in one night. 
And just because you brought somebody over and you had popcorn, you call it fellowship. Not quite the same thing. See, that's, that's part of the danger is when we don't put ourselves in a position to be still and know, to listen to God speak to us and teach us. Because you know what he said about Levi? I gave to him life and peace. So that's ethos, but then we have pathos, which is our passion or our emotions. So again, it goes to the very core of our beliefs, which means that our thinking determines our actions. And we understand that how we think determines what we do. And one of the best questions that was ever asked to me when I was young in the ministry and and doing youth ministry is we came together and the question from the guy leading the thing is he says, what do you want said at your funeral? And he said, now what are you doing to live in your life to make sure that that's said? How are you living to produce that? See, that is where our character is. And so we have to go to the scripture. We have to be under the scripture and allow the theology to affect our actions. Because again, theology without actions, it's dead. But we have to say, how does this understanding, this reading of the word affect how I live my life? Because that begins to affect movement. It's life and peace. This is what 1 Timothy 4, 16 says if we are living our lives the way that we're supposed to, if we're studying the way we're supposed to. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. And how does that happen? Through Christ. It's what David read for us from um, 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's we're being faithful to teach the words of Christ to those around us. So it's not us teaching. It's not us preaching at people. It's God teaching and preaching through us because we are so enamored. We're so in love with who he is that it's everything that is flowing over top of us. And we can't get enough. We can't get enough because we're so in love with our Savior and Lord. So that's the standard that God set before us, but it's not the standard that we see in Malachi. Because this standard was corruptus, and again, we go back to the Logos. And so what was happening is the word that was being preached was being picked and chosen according to the situation. They were showing partiality. And as they were showing partiality, um, a lot of times what happens is people change the words of Scripture to fit their agenda. Hey, I want to do this, so I'm going to go to this one verse, and I'm going to pull it out of context, and I'm going to use this one verse, and I'm going to beat people up with that one verse, and I'm going to continue to abuse them. Or maybe sometimes people become that one translation person. Oh, it's only the King James. Oh, it's only the New American Standard. It's only the NIV. I'm telling you, as your pastor, you should have at a minimum four translations at all time. Four. Because you need to be reading Scripture according to the Scripture according to Scripture. You should know why there's different words in there. And you should be asking yourself the question, why is this different? Is it just simply semantics? They just use a different English word? Or is there a big distinction here? And you'll be surprised at how many distinctions are there. 
And you'll be surprised, those, um, even, even this week, someone was talking to me about saying, oh, well, it's the, the love, the love of money. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, it's not just the love of money, it's, it's, it's a sin to have the love of money. It's not money itself, it's not wealth. I, I want you all to make a lot of money. I, I would love for you to pay off this building. I would love to send missionaries around the world. God doesn't have a problem with the wealth. It's our use of it. It's our love of it. And again, I think part of it, and I'm serious about this, part of why God called me to the ministry is because I would be a jerk with a checkbook. I really would. It's not that I wouldn't give to the church, but when I gave, when I had my checkbook, it was the last check I wrote. And I would look at my bank account and go, ooh, that's not looking great. Maybe I don't give the full tithe this month, but I'll, I'll make it up. So where does the checkbook go to? It goes to my wife. Why? Because it's the first check she writes. And I think God is saying, Jeff, you're such, and kids, close your ears. You're an idiot. Why do you not trust me? Why, why do you think I don't care for you? Why is it so hard for you to honor me? Not just with your lips, but with your checkbook and your time and your effort and your ministry and your love. Why do you not honor me? It's because we get so caught up in us and so what happens is it begins to decay who we are. If we're not in the word, it begins to affect who we are. I fully agree with Steve Brown's illustration on this. He says, if I go a day without being in the word, my wife knows it. If I go two days, those who are close to me know it. If I go three days without being in the word, everybody knows it. If we're not allowing the word to wash over us, then what happens is our hearts become hardened. And so what happens there is we begin to see other people's problems and not our own. Remember, that's why Scripture says, hey, take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. He doesn't say don't call them into question. He says look at your own sin first before you look at the sins of others. Because it's usually the same sin. So we need to make sure that we're staying in the word. But then we also have to make sure that our actions apply. See, the actions, again, um, the quote that I, I got from this is, most people don't fear God anymore. I think that's, a, that's an accurate quote. They try to make Jesus their homeboy. <laughs> they try to put Jesus on the same level with them. Jesus wants me to be happy. I don't care what translation you're looking at. That's not what it ever says. Jesus wants us to come in our actions to make sense to the people around us. Because what happens a lot of times is we begin to beat people up. Even with scripture and the cross, the pick of the cross daily, that just becomes jewelry. And what does it mean 
to give ourselves over to the work of the Holy Spirit, it means that we try to fix things in our own power. When we do that, we find ourselves in trouble. And so not only that, but he comes, distractions start finding itself. And so what happens is there's loud distractions. Again, we don't sit still and quiet and we become busy, which is very different than being active for God. We're so busy in life. And sometimes we might even be doing things for the Lord. And so a lot of times people will go, oh, Lord, hey, I'm doing this. Hey, will you bless it? It needs to be reversed. God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to see? Who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me? How do you want me to honor you today? Because then I know it's blessed because it's of you and not just my decisions. So again, we switch it. And so um, we, we don't just become busy. We become active. We become fruitful. And when that happens, then again, we quit trying to be about people pleasing. That's where these, these um, I, I can tell you this. I mean, I know, oh, I don't know if every session member, but I know I don't know what anybody gives to this church. Now, part of that is to save you so I don't get comfy and cozy next to you. Oh, my gosh. Chad Wilson gives this amount of money? My goodness. I didn't think Chad was that smart. But, man, they're paying him a lot of money. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kind of keep hold of Chad because I think Chad can help me out. But it's also on the other side. When you come and you say to me, do you know how much money I give to this church? Nope. There's the door. I say that tongue in cheek, but there is a reality that I don't want to put myself because even your pastor, even your elders, even your deacons can find themselves in the points of putting ourselves in places where we don't need to be. And so we need to remove the temptations so that God is glorified, not that we start listening to what man has to say or begin to figure out who has the power and who doesn't. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father. And so we don't put ourselves in a place to become pleasing, but then it leads to our our beliefs, our core system again. Because again, thinking determines our actions. So I don't ever want to get to the place where my eulogy has to be one of half-truths. Well, you could say Pastor Jeff was, he was really full of himself. He was really fun. He was really, I can't say loving, but how does our characters and our beliefs match up to what we say we believe? And don't do this according to religion, because religion kills. Christianity is saves, because it draws us back to the Savior. And when that happens, then it begins to affect our movement, and God's very clear here. He says, I'm going to put dung on their faces. That's, that's one of the most harsh statements in all of Scripture. That's not a pretty statement. I'm going to rub your face in poop. Now, what he's talking about here is the priest was supposed to go and he was supposed to cut up the animal and then he's supposed to take all the entrails. He was supposed to take the entrails outside of the city or outside of the camp and he was supposed to burn them. 
Obviously, that's a lot of nastiness. But what God is saying, when we find ourselves to where we're looking at God and saying, I'm not going to honor you, he says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to fall on your faces in the poop that you're trying to destroy because you have become the thing that is heinous. You're the one who stinks. You're the one who is unholy. By the way that you have treated me. And so he looks at us and he says, you will be humiliated and it'll go to, and again, seed here could be offspring. It could be simply agriculture because that's how the, the Levites received their payment is by the things that were brought in. So it, it could be either one. But this is what he says about what the priest is doing to those that follow him. You make them stumble and you've corrupted them. So what's the application in this great passage? The passage is this. God loves you. And he loves you so intimately that he will not allow anything to drive a wedge. Listen, he's not talking to the priest and he doesn't say, I have cut you off or I've removed my spirit. He says, I have made you unholy and despised by the people because of the way that you're fulfilling your office. But it does not remove the love of God. There's always time to repent this side of heaven or him coming back. There's always time to go back and start reading the word daily. And if you've gone this long, this whole year, and haven't picked up the word, start on day today. Don't start reading January 1 and try to catch up to August 3rd or October 3rd. Start on October 3rd. God loves you. He cares for you intimately. And he gave his son for you. And he says, now come and worship me with your whole heart, mind, and soul. And may it be our pleasure. May it be our pleasure. So heed the warning. Heed the warning. You don't want to be poop faces. But understand, you are children of the living God who gave his son for you to give you a righteousness you can never deserve or earn so that you might be called the sons and daughters of the king. May we honor him as such. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I know this message was more to me than to anyone else. And Father, may I always become less and you become more. May all of us be found faithful in preaching the word, living the word, and giving the word away. Lord, may it truly be said of us as it was of Timothy, that because we were found ourselves faithful in the word and our doctrine, that we would save not only ourselves, but those who hear us as well. Or may we never be the cause of corruption, 
or dismay or hurt. Or may we always be the voice of the gospel message, both spoken and lived out. For this we pray in Christ's name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.